0: Um, Are you ready for God's Word today? Are you ready? Are you ready to hear from God? And um, Yeah, I want God to speak to me today. Um, Turn with me in your Bible, if if you have a Bible, whether it's digital, and turn or click, however you get there, to Genesis chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. We have two big Bibles on either side of the platform, um, and we'll we'll put all the verses up there. But Genesis chapter 1, we're in a series of messages uh, that we called Who Needs Church? Who Needs Church? And I think it's really a great question to ask. I'm a. You have any question askers? Are you question? I'm a question asker. You can. You remember when your kids were two and they learned the the word why? Uh, We were talking with some 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 of our staff and they have a two year old and they're like, hey, he's learned the word why. We're like, this is this is the time that changes your life, because for the next five to ten years, everything's why 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 why. But but I was a why kid so much so that that I I think I was the reason parents invented the answer, because we all know the answer to why, and the answer is because I said so. That's right. That's right. You guys are very familiar with this as well, <laughs> and, um, and my concern is that people think we're supposed to go to church because somebody said so, and maybe you think your mom, like I grew up, my parents were the pastor, and you went to church, and if you didn't go to church, you didn't eat, right? It was, <laughs> my, but I'd be like, dad, what well, I got to do it with your cousin? i your dad, and I said so. And I buy the food. I like food. I'll go to church. <laughs> but but we just grew up and we thought, why, why do we go to church? Because Christian people go to church. That's Christian people go to church. People who love God go to church. So maybe you go to church because somebody told you to. Whether you think God told you to, that'd be a good reason. Or your parents told you to, or a friend said you should. Um, but we're exploring this reason, this question of who needs church? Because we we need to answer the question. And what we know today is that, that young adults between the ages of 18 and 22, 64% of church attenders, so kids who were part of a church, part of a youth group in church up through the graduation basically of high school, 64% of them in the next four years will leave church. That's not 64% of that demographic, that is 64% of the Christians of that demographic. They will stop attending. Now, I'm not saying they give up on God or they become atheist or agnostic or anything like that. I'm just saying they stop attending church. My, my, I've got to ask the question, why? Why? What well, we know is 79% of people in our country claim some type of faith affiliation, but only 55% actually attend a house of worship. So that means 24%. That's a difference, 24, 24%. So that, what that means is nearly a third of people who claim to have faith don't actually gather with others of faith. Now, I'm not blaming them. I, I think the issue is people just, they're, they're at that place of like, why? why do Who needs church? Do I need church? Do you need church? How do we know if we need church? What is church actually for? And so this isn't a place that hasn't that, that pastor tricked you into coming today. And I'm like, you got to go to church. No, no, no. I'd just like to explore it with you a little bit. To see if we really do need church. Because what we know is the average church attender goes three times every 60 days. That tells me that either they're really, really busy on the weekend, and some people are really, really busy on the weekend. We've talked about some of the reasons why people attend church less, and they're not necessarily bad reasons. It's kids' sports, more affluence, meaning they can travel, more, more options available. Now you got jet skis and a boat. you got to get them in the lake. But I'm just saying, if the church is really valuable, and if I really understood that it had a value and it really was applicable and, it, and, it, and I needed it, it, it meant something to me. There was a reason why I went, then it might weigh in differently with some of these other things. And so we're just exploring this together. And that is what has brought us to Genesis chapter one. It's an interesting, we're answering the question, who needs church? And we're going to start in Genesis chapter one together. Uh, let's, Let's look at this together. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 said, Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Thank God and just underline that because God has given you authority over creeps. You have authority over creeps today, right? Ex-girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it may be. (laughs) Boss, employer, I don't know. You got authority over the creeps. Say, get behind me, creeps. If they're cringy, you got authority. (laughs) Never mind. So anyways, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Second time we've seen this. Just just a couple of verses over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and everything living that moves on the earth. I call this message with a question because I like I like questions i think i've I've already explained that I like questions, and so I entitled the message a question and it's just simply this: What on earth is God doing? What on earth is God doing? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever like turned on the news and thought, what on earth is God, then let's let's pray and then let's try to figure out the answer to that question. Father, thank you so much that we have gathered in your presence today. And God, I just pray this would be a distraction-free zone. God, for just a few moments, Lord. um, God, we just pray you would silence cell phones. God, that notifications wouldn't come through. Nobody would Instagram or Facebook or text about lunch. But God, we would lean in to your word today. And, God, that you would give us ears that are able to hear what your Holy Spirit would speak to us. God, that your words, God, would be planted in our hearts. And, God, that they would produce fruit, Lord, uh, God, based on what you want to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So when you start in Genesis chapter 1, you kind of get an interesting picture. You get this, this being called God. And it doesn't start with a lot of explanation as to who this being is. Like he doesn't say, I'm God, and here's my resume. I've done some cool things, would like you to know. Here's my educational background. Here's my age. Oh, I've been around forever. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't start there. He, he starts with, in the beginning, God created. This is the picture we get. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created. So here's this being called God, right? And then God created something. And then for six days, we see God creating. And, and I know there's debate. Is it, was it really six days or was it 6,000 years or was it six billion? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. A lot of stuff we argue over doesn't really matter. Right. What we needed to know is what the Bible told us. God created things in a sequential order of equivalency called six days. One day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day, he created. And then on the sixth day, he created man. And then God took the day off somebody. Amen. You know what's so cool about God is he was creating on the seventh day. He created something that never had existed called rest. Some of you need to step into his creation and just take a day off. How many going to text your boss in the morning and say, the pastor said, don't do it. Anyways. We don't, I don't think we have any openings right now, so you may be on your own for that one. So anyways, um, but, but he created man. Now, here's my question. If this is an all-powerful, all-knowing God, and he has taken the time to create this uh, place called Earth and all the stuff and all the animals and the creeps and everything, um, and then he creates man, then I got to ask the question, why? Was God not happy? Did he just want to like a real version of SimCity? Right. And he's like, man, here'd be a good place for my sewage plant. And we'll put a housing addition over here and a mall. And I think they need a roller coaster. You know, this is that, is that what he was doing? I've got to ask the question, well, what was this? What was it aimed at? Some people say, well, God had a good purpose and then it derailed with man, but ha, ah! maybe not so, because it seems to me that if we read the scripture, we find out God knew that man was going to fail when he created him. Remember what he said, Jesus Christ The Lamb of God sacrificed before the foundation of the world. So before before man made a mistake, God had a provision for it. That might be a good word for you. Because if you are living in a mistake you made, God had a graceful provision of redemption for it. Doesn't mean it was God's will. Doesn't mean there won't be consequences. just means His grace can redeem you through it and out of it. Are you with me? And so, so anyway, so God, you know, and then man, you know, and then here we are. So what's really going on? God's playing Sim City um, until he can finally get Sim City become Sin City, Genesis 3. And, um, and then God is working a plan and then Jesus comes back and we know the whole reason Jesus came back was to give us all tickets to heaven. He's just like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate factory. Like, here's your ticket. Here's your golden ticket. I'm going to get you into heaven. Here's your golden, here's your golden ticket. As that's and there you go. And that's the gospel. And that's why we're here. But but i back up and say, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's more intentionality than that. Maybe there's a greater purpose than that. Maybe God's trying to accomplish more than just having people who make mistakes so he can feel like God by cleaning it up. So I think we have to dive into this Genesis chapter 1, and we have to ask ourselves some questions, and we have to look at some things. And, and the first thing I have to ask is, okay, why? What was God's goal? That's what brings us to the first thing that you'd want to write down. The first thing is this, is God's goal wasn't to rescue people from the earth, but rather to rule it. God's goal wasn't to rescue people from oh wait, but that's what they all told me is that Jesus was on a rescue mission. He's trying to get us out of the earth before God nukes it. Right? Isn't that because we're the people who aren't going to get nuked, kind of like, kind of like Noah in the Ark. We're gonna laugh as we leave in the big heavenly space shuttle right before God nukes it, say, Y'all should have believed. But wouldn't that be strange? Wouldn't that be strange to think about this? If, if God is intentional and purposeful, and I think that he is, and he's a creator. Creators don't create without purpose. They don't create without inspiration. They don't create without intention. So God being a creator, in the beginning, God created. He's a creator. So creators have vision, purpose, intention, right? Everything created was created with one thing in common. What was it? Purpose. It's how you got a paper clip because somebody couldn't keep their papers together. <laughs> Wouldn't it be strange that this all-powerful God who could create anything you want thought, you know what? I'm going to create a planet. Man's going to screw up. I'm going to clean up the mess. And the ones that believe, I'm going to rescue them out and then I'm going to nuke everybody else. Like, is that a staff meeting in heaven? God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You know, guys, kind of bored today. What should we do? You know, we're all powerful and stuff. You know what? Let's make a planet. Oh, that'd be cool. We could make a planet. Who would put on? Let's put the people on there. You know, people. Yeah, I know people. But you know what? They'll make a mess, and then Jesus can go down there and clean it up. And then we'll rescue them out, and then we can blow them all up. (laughs) I need to tell you this. The Trinity is not made up of rednecks. If you're a redneck, that's your answer to everything. Blow it up. If it's shiny, keep it. If you don't like it, blow it up. I got this old refrigerator. What should I do? Let's put some Tannerite in that thing and shoot it. But God's goal wasn't to create a planet that went bad and then try to rescue his people out. His goal was to rule it. He said, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. That word means rule or rulership, or you could say it this way, to have kingdom, to have authority over. In other words, God said, now this man that I've created in this one statement, listen, in this one statement, he gives us purpose, intentionality and planning. Not only for what he's trying to accomplish, but for who he created to accomplish it. Because he says, "This is what I'm after. I'm after dominion. I want I want this this planet to be ruled over, if you will, and I want someone to rule over it." Now, if you're sitting here like, "Whoa, this is cool," all right. So, so here's the thing: God existed in a realm we would call it the heavenlies, but we're not talking about the stratosphere or the atmosphere. We're talking about a spiritual realm that God. When it, when it comes to the Bible, God describes Himself as a king. As a king, it says uh, Psalm 47:2. For the Lord most high is awesome. He is the great king over all the earth. So God, when he wants to tell his story, he wants us to understand that it's kind of like he's a king. That's that he is likening his story to him being a king. Now I want you to understand just, just to clarify, remember God is the one the story's about and he's invited us to be in his story. I just want to clarify that you're not living a story and you may or may not invite God into your story. It's actually about him. He doesn't come to serve you. You're here to serve him, right? And so and so, God is telling a story and he says hey, I am a king. He's trying to give us an understanding of what God is like. I am a king. Matthew is in his gospel which is written to a Jewish audience. He is trying to tell them that, that this is the king of all kings. That Jesus is the king of all kings and so there are 57 references to kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven in the book of Matthew more than any other book. He is trying to tell the story that, that he is a king so God was reigning over a realm. We would call it the heavens or maybe this, a spiritual realm. And, and even though God is reigning over the spiritual realm, he wants to do something. Because as a king, you want a territory to expand your reign over, right? And so God says, I, I'm ruling over the heavens, over the invisible realm. I'm, I, I am. But I want to rule over a visible realm. And so I'm going to create a visible realm called earth so that I can expand my reign into a visible reality. Now, if you're sitting here like, oh, this is freaky, let me remind you of what Paul said in the New Testament. We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporal, fading away, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, so it's in your New Testament. I didn't write that. I'll have a special version, right? And so he wants to expand his spiritual reign over a visible realm. And so he creates a visible realm, stars, galaxies, and then this planet called Earth. Earth. And now he says, now I want to rule over this, but I want to, I want some help with it. And that is why I created man. Now the question is now, well, what is he trying to accomplish this whole dominion, man reign in the spiritual realm of the physical or, or visible? What's he trying to accomplish? What's his mission statement in all of this? Very simple. It's a very simple mission statement. In fact, It's it's at the top of the list of what Jesus asked you to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Uh, that, That verb in the Greek is present ongoing. Come and keep coming. Your kingdom come and keep coming. Your will be done and keep being done. On earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that ironic that the, that, that what we see as the intention of God in Genesis one, Jesus gives us as a prayer to pray as new Testament believers. It's almost as though God's plan was not derailed by sin. It's almost as though it was like he had a plan all along because he's God. He's going to get his plan. That the whole fruit salad instant thing. That's where Adam and Eve ate the wrong fruit. If you're like, I don't get it. Fruit salad in the Bible. I'm just saying I've had some good fruit salad. It'd be a temptation for me too. Of course, most theologians say it was a fig and figs are not a temptation for me unless they're with a Newton. Because you know you lose some Fig Newtons. Some milk. It's not bad. Put some peanut butter on it. You can cure a lot of things with peanut butter and chocolate. Right? I mean, take like little berries. Dip them in chocolate. It's a whole new world. On earth as it is in heaven, all of a sudden we see the intentionality of God, the purpose and the plan of God. We see what he's aimed at. And so whole, God's whole will was that he wanted the reign of heaven his reign in in this unseen heavenly realm he wanted that to be present to expand to extend that reign over a visible reality your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right wouldn't it be crazy if that was the gospel that Jesus preached now you know obviously it's a setup right because it obviously was, but we don't know that because we thought Jesus came to tell us, pray a prayer so when you die, you can go to heaven. Because we thought God's plan was to create a planet, to put man on it, to try to get man off the planet into heaven so he could nuke the planet. Because it's kind of what, and we've been thought, there's this thing called the sinner's prayer. And, And we went to youth camp and they told us, they're like, look, There's heaven and there's hell. If you were to die tonight, where would you go? (laughs) I don't know where I'd go. You want to go to heaven? Sounds better than hell. I mean, because if you live in Texas in August and your AC's ever gone out, that's about all the hell you want right there. (laughs) Can I get a witness? (laughs) So, yeah, I'll go to heaven. Well, repeat after me. Now you're good, brother. You got your golden ticket. Willy Wonka gave it to you. You can get in the chocolate factory. And my concern is that's what we've told people that salvation is about. And we've told people that's the goal of the church. So we have a bunch of Christians who are sitting on their blessed assurance waiting for the bus to take us to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory in heaven. And we don't even know what our purpose is. We don't even know what the plan is. We don't even know what the purpose of the church is. But we're doing what people told us. I prayed the prayer, brother. I prayed the prayer. Peter's got my name in the book when I get there. When I get there, he's going to say, jump on in. Jump on in the truck. We're going up to the big house, (laughs) y'all. And my concern is that's not even what the Bible was aimed at. It's not even the message that Jesus preached at all. Think about it. Could Jesus even preach that sermon? I have died. Oh, wait, not yet. So if you pray this prayer, you can go to heaven when you die. I'm not saying there's not a heaven. That's clear in Scripture. But what was the plan? What's he really after? And what does our time here on earth actually mean? Because if it's nothing more than you need to make sure you pray this prayer, so when you die, you go up instead of down, you go to the place with AC instead of the place without AC, Then, then really all I need to do is I don't need to go to church at all. I just need to pray a prayer and live my life. Wait for the end. Right. Right. Has no my, my life then really has no eternal purpose at that point. I'm just here waiting on the end, brother. However it comes, I'm ready. I prayed my prayer. And I think we've missed the whole idea. Jesus had one message, and his message was all about this kingdom that was on the earth. Look at this, Luke 4, says, But Jesus said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to all these other towns, for this purpose I was sent. This is the purpose I was sent for, to preach this good news of the kingdom. In in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus starts his ministry, he starts with a message: repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, legalistic religious people would say, act better, because God's a coming. But that's not what that means at all. What it means is there's something here that wasn't here. It's unseen, but it is here to influence all that is seen. It's near, meaning it has arrived. That's what the word in the Greek means. So he's saying the kingdom, this unseen reign of this spiritual reign, this unseen reign, this unseen power is now here to influence earth to look like heaven. And he's saying repent, which is to change the way you think. Most of what Jesus taught was all about changing the way you think because religion had done a good job of teaching people how to think stupid. That's right? That's right. right? I'm, 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 I'm sorry, maybe there's a better word, but that one worked. Right? Because religion, religion can make you... That's right. That's right. Jesus, listen... I don't mean this in a bad way, and I'm probably going to offend everybody, but I don't mean to. Please hear, listen through my words to the heart. In Genesis 1, you don't see God saying, I've established choir robes, organs. You can have singing, you can't have singing, you have music, you can't have music. You're the Baptist, you're the Pentecostal, you're the Methodist. Here are the rules. No, no, no. It, It was this purpose and this intent I want a physical, a spiritual reign to influence a physical planet and two, that I need a man. And then Jesus shows up with this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is there's a, there's an invisible power. There's an invisible reign and it's here to influence all of earth. That's what the good news is because earth by this time is full of death, full of lack, full of sickness. It is only full of questions and the kingdom was full of answers. Earth had not the power to meet its own need, right? The kingdom had the power to meet the needs. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So when Jesus steps into a temple and a man's got a withered hand, all of a sudden Jesus is like, oh, yeah, that's an earth problem. But I'm a kingdom, son. The kingdom has the solution for your problem. So stretch out your hand. Then the religious people, you can't heal on the Sabbath. I know you just did a miracle, but this is the wrong time. You worked on the Sabbath. I, Jesus was so much nicer than me, because I' would be like, well, I'm not going to say what I would say. But it would le- it'd be less spiritual. That's all I'm going to say. be less spiritual. If I just heal somebody's hand and then they're mad at me, you can't heal on the Sabbath. Now I'm going to heal you after I knock you out. Anyways. But, then, but this was Jesus. This was his message. The king of heaven is here. So, so Jesus' intent, think about this. Jesus' intent wasn't to rescue people from earth, but rather to rule it. So now we got to get to this second thing, which is the church wasn't created to have church services. It was actually created for world domination. That's the second thing. You can write that down. The church wasn't created for church services, but for denomination, for not denomination. It wasn't created for denomination, but it was created for domination. Are you with me? Look at this. Genesis 128. This is 128. And God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue, by the way, means to take control. Have dominion means to rule over what you've taken control over, right? Again, it's interesting that that here in in Genesis you don't see the establishment of religion. And, and I know some people are like, "Oh, you're against religion." Uh, yeah, I, I am because it's not kingdom. It's it's a um. It's a counterfeit culture that makes people feel like they're doing kingdom because they're doing religion. The church isn't the kingdom. The kingdom was here. It's the kingdom of God. God's eternal. The kingdom was eternal. The kingdom existed before the church. And so the church isn't the kingdom. I'll get into what it is in just a minute, but the church, if you want to think about it this way, it's the agency of the kingdom. And I'll come back to that. But, but my concern is that, that we think that, that, that church was created, if you will, to, to establish religion because God wanted religion because he needed a religious culture for religious people to come to to be more religious and feel better about their religion. So we have verbiage and dress codes And rules and regulations all aimed at protecting our religious culture for the religious people. So they can religiously come to the religious culture to be religious and feel better about their religion. And when something comes in that threatens our religious culture, the holy things of God. Then we attack it. Oh, brother, you can't wear that here, brother. Oh, Lord, you can't go in the sanctuary with that word on your shirt. What would God think? As though God didn't know the shirt was already made. <laughs> oh, sister, sister, you can't go in wearing that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we, you got to learn to talk this way and not talk this way. And these are approved cuss words and these are unapproved cuss words. <laughs> These are the type of tattoos you can get. These are the hairstyles you can have. These are the clothes you can wear. These are things you must say. Here's the other things you must do, and you got to have devotion time. You got to post it on Instagram so we know. That's called accountability. <laughs> we need to keep you accountable, and it's not necessarily those things are terrible. Things. Well, most of them kind of are, but but it's it's it. You know, and obviously I'm in a church, so I'm gonna explain to you why you're here, but first we got to, we got to kind of get some distance between some of the things we've been taught and then get back to, well, what was God trying to do? because if we just think that's right you know number one people problem people have a church it's a religious culture full of religious people and when they come in they feel criticized and and judged because the 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 goody two-shoes people who have learned to act better than them and that's really what religion does religion is all about the outside it teaches you how to look religious and act religious without changing anything inside of you that's why when jesus confronted the religious rulers he said you are like a whitewashed tomb outside you got pretty flowers and a picket fence but inside you're as dead as the prostitute, because you can learn to be religious and still be dead on the inside. And so the church wasn't created to establish religion. It was actually created to establish kingdom and, and religious culture actually competes against kingdom culture. Because kingdom culture is about peace and mercy and grace and forgiveness and righteousness, right? And religious culture is is more about rules. And when you break them, there's condemnation and shame and guilt. Oh, y'all didn't go to that church? And so we were established, the church was established to create kingdom culture. And so here God is. He's got, I got this purpose. My reign, physical, physical, visible planet. So to do that, he said, let us make man. And that word is not man as in a man. It is man as in mankind. It is plural, meaning a race or a people. And by the way, God only created one race. They're called humans. We may have different amounts of pigment in our skin, but he only created one race of people, and he called those people the human race. And so he creates one race of people called humans and puts them in the garden. And then he said this, it's not good that man should be alone. Now time out, because we make this all about marriage. And it is, but it's more. Are you with me? Because what God, God wasn't sitting there thinking like, man, Adam is making a mess of the garden. (laughs) Nor was he thinking, you know, Adam needs someone to give him a to-do list for his day off. Boy, that boy can't cook. That's none of the things that God was thinking. But he did say this. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, why did he say that? Because here's what God said. God said, for what I've created him for, number one, I'm looking not for a man. I'm looking for a people. And number two, the purpose that I've given the people is for people. You can't, a person can't do it. For you to do what God's called you to do, let me help you with something. It will always include other people. It will. And so God said he can't do it by himself, and all of that, he needs other people. So God said it's not good for him to be alone. So God gave him woman, right? Now God has a people. Now God has a church. That's right, the church in Genesis chapter 1. Here's how you find the church. The church is the people God wants to use to bring his reign into this realm. So, in Genesis chapter 1, the people are what we would call Adam and Eve. Right? In in Genesis 6, it's Noah and his family. In Genesis 12, it's Abraham and his family. Then Abraham and his family become a nation, still the church. In the New Testament, now gentiles are being saved by faith in jesus now they're being grafted in as jews that's us still the church the church is from genesis through revelation because the goal of the church was to be the agency of god to expand his reign over a visible planet Um, our government the united states government we have departments department of treasury Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Defense, but if we were um, uh, if we were like Great Britain, a kingdom, their kingdom, Great Britain has the same idea, same structure, but they're named something differently in the kingdom. In the kingdom, they're called ministries. The Ministry of Education, the Ministry of the Treasury the Ministry of Health and and Human Services, the Ministry of Defense. And the people over those ministries are appointed and they are called ministers. And ministers just means they administrate what the government wants to accomplish. So here is a king and his central government and he wants to accomplish his programs, his agendas, his wills, his desires over a visible realm. So what he needs is a ministry and ministers that will carry out the, the, the initiatives of the kingdom in that realm. So he creates a thing that we've come to know as The church. And the church is now the agency of the kingdom in the visible realm, just like Adam was placed and said, Now, Adam, subdue and take dominion, take control and rule over take control and have kingdom over like just like I rule when the Bible says that we was made in his likeness that is similitude right to function like him and and then in his in his I'm sorry, in his image is similitude or to function like him. That's what the word means. So he said, I'm going to create man in my image to function like me, to rule and reign like me. In my likeness is divine nature or nature and characteristics. Peter says we're partakers of his divine nature, the fruit of the spirit. According to Paul in Galatians, is peace, love, joy, you know, all those, right? And so here we are. He said, I'm going to create ministers and an agency called mankind. We would call it church. Now, now delineated between those who believe and those who don't. And he said, I'm going to make those ministers of the ministry and their goal is to carry out the power and authority, the initiative, the plan, and the purposes of the kingdom. So if you're under attack today... There's a ministry of defense. No weapon formed against me will prosper. If you're experiencing lack today, there's a ministry of the treasury. And my God shall supply all of my needs according. If you're sick in your body today, there's a ministry of health and human services. By his stripes, we are healed. This is what the church is. It is the answer for every problem in earth. Are you, are you getting it? Are you, are you like, do do you see, do you see what I'm saying? So this is, this is what the church was created for. It was created to execute the the judgments. It was created to execute by that, I mean, justice or, you know, to create or to execute the power, the will of the king over the planet. I'm going to create a man. He's going to have dominion. See, the, the truth of the matter is we weren't created to learn to do earth. We were created to learn to do heaven on the earth and to influence earth to look like heaven. Your kingdom coming will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the third thing. Write this down. So the Holy Spirit doesn't make us better at church. He makes us better at our purpose. I thought the role of the Holy Spirit was to give me goosies so I would know when the church service had reached a better level. (laughs) And I'd know when to get my tambourine out. And my streamers, because now the spirit was a moving. (laughs) That's how we know we're having good church when we see certain things that we call the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying they're not. Just go with me for a minute. Unfortunately, many times we think the role of the Holy Spirit is to make us better at being religious, to make us better at church, to make us better at church services. But that's not what we see because, okay, back up. For man to establish kingdom, for this agency called the church, this agency called mankind to establish kingdom over the earth. He needs two things, authority and power. Right. You need authority and power. Right. That's why a police officer has a badge and a gun. That's the authority. They are sworn in to uphold the law, to serve and protect. But there's sometimes people won't act right. So they need power. When people won't trust authority, they may have to have power. You track it? So you need two things, authority and power. Are you with me? So God tells Adam, go and take dominion. Now that's authority. But before that, Genesis 2-7, we back up. It says, and God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. There's power. The breath. The breath is the power power. The, the commission is the authority. Are you tracking? It helps me go faster if you do this. <laughs> if it makes sense, do this, and if it doesn't, do this. That tells me, slow down, hurry up, okay? Now, some of you just learned a trick, and you'll be like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, we got it, Pastor. What's the end? <laughs> All right, so now New Testament, New Testament, we need, if if this is still the same thing, because listen, the kingdom is in the spirit. So, So God's desire really is to influence earth through the Holy Spirit by man. Influence earth, heaven influences earth through the Holy Spirit by man. So what was lost in Genesis 3 when Adam sinned was the Holy Spirit was lost. Right? God can't dwell in, a, in in an unclean temple that's why Jesus came to clean us all up so the Holy Spirit can dwell in us right So we lost the Holy Spirit well the kingdom's in the spirit right the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteous peace and joy in the Holy Spirit Where's the kingdom in the Holy Spirit right So we, we were all get this we the agency was there with no power. Why were we disconnected because sin, is ultimately rebellion against God. It's not the things we do. That's why the Bible says, even if you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. Now, how can, if sin is the bad things I do, how can I not do something and that be sin? It's because God asked me to do it. So I was rebelling against Him. And, and when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they lost the Holy Spirit. So now they're the agency but have no power. They've been disconnected. They're ambassadors, but they're not connected anymore. So Jesus comes to clean us up and reconnect us. And then he says, I want you to go into all the world, right? Go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's what he says, right? But he says, before you go, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of my father. And he sends the Holy Spirit, not to to help them have better church services, but to give them power to do what he had given them authority to do. Are you with me? And so this is now the church. So the key now is the kingdom wanted to influence the earth through the Holy Spirit by the agency of man, or what we would call the church, or the believers. Are, are you with me? So 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 what does that what does that look like? Well, the kingdom has a value and a rule and a reign and a culture. A value, a rule, and a reign and a culture. It has more than one value. We're gonna do this. Matthew 10:6 Jesus said this to his followers. He's sending them out. This is authority, right? He's sending them out. Go. He said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go. But he said, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, the value is lost people. That's right. The value is not protecting religious culture. That's right. The value is not the color of the carpet or the mural in the nursery. Right. The value is not how loud the music is or how soft it is or what people wear or don't wear. Or what they say or don't say, or what they post or don't post. The value is lost people. If God has a favorite, it's the lost person, right. right? Go to the lost sheep of Israel, he said, and proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. There's the rule. It's good news. There is a new rule here, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, drive out demons. There's the reign, the power of the rule being expressed. Are you getting it? Tracking. All right. And then he says this, you receive freely, give freely. then verse 12, as you enter a house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not, let your peace return to you. There's the culture. The value of the lost people, the rule of the kingdom of heaven, the rain, heal, raise, cleanse, drive out, the culture, peace. See, the goal wasn't church culture, it was kingdom culture. We keep trying to figure out how much of the culture of earth can we get into the church when the reality is we're supposed to be figuring out how much of the culture of the kingdom can we get into the earth and we're saying things like, like these are the big things we're worried about today is can I, can I live with someone and still be saved? Can I sleep with someone and still be saved? Can I get drunk and still be saved? Can I be gay and still be saved? And all we're asking God is how much of earth's culture can I get in your kingdom? And I'm not saying grace doesn't abound, and I'm not saying His love doesn't cover. I'm just saying maybe that's the wrong question. The question should be, how much of the kingdom can I get to come through my life into this earth? God, we want your culture of peace, not our culture of chaos. We want your culture of joy, not our hope of happiness. Like, God, we want your culture. We want your culture of freedom, not our culture of shame you see what I'm saying? That, that, should, be, that should be the question. So, so how do you do this? Well, Jesus said this way. He was casting out a demon. They accused him of being a demon. And he said this. He said, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, remember, the kingdom's in the Spirit, right? Heaven on earth through the Holy Spirit by man, right? If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Here's what he's saying. This is how you do it. What Jesus did, the life he lived, he wasn't trying to prove he was God. If he was trying to prove he was God, why did he, every time he did a miracle, he said, don't tell anybody. That wasn't reverse psychology. Like, if I tell them not to tell, they will. If I tell you, don't tell it, you're going to post it on Instagram. It wasn't reverse psychology. He's saying this is not what proves I'm God. The empty tomb is what proves I'm God. What this is, is this is the agency of God. By the Holy Spirit, bringing the influence of heaven into the earth. So this is what Jesus has asked the church to do. Not, not to become more churchy. Not to protect religious culture. By the way, that's the only culture Jesus couldn't deal with. His religious culture. What he's asked the church to do is embrace kingdom and bring his kingdom into the earth. And the way that looks is, see, we think this is a Bible, but this is a constitution of a kingdom. And so I, for me to, to, for me to bring the influence of heaven into the earth, I have to know what heaven is like. I got to know what the culture is. I got to know what the ministries are. You see what I'm saying? And, and so for me, when I run into something in this earth that doesn't look like the kingdom, I realized, wait a second, I have been authorized going to all the world preach the good news of the kingdom. I have been empowered. You shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And my role now is whatever I just ran into that doesn't look like kingdom, I'm supposed to let the kingdom of God influence through me. But I got to know what's supposed, I got to be able to tell the difference between earth and kingdom, between religion and kingdom. So this is why I need the constitution that came from the king to explain to me the bounds and the limits, the desires, the expressions of what the kingdom does and how it does it and where it does it and where it wants to work. So that when my body is sick, I know by a stripes we're healed. Wait a second. The kingdom is a kingdom of health. There is a ministry of health. When, when, when I'm struggling and, 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 and I feel chaotic and afraid, wait a second. He said that he didn't give me, he, he didn't give me um, a spirit of fear, but love, power and a sound my oh that's kingdom love and power and a sound and all of a sudden i know then to confront anything that doesn't look like kingdom and let the holy spirit inside of me out of me onto it yeah. Yeah. this is what you're called to and I'm, I'm afraid most believers are living way below their kingdom pay grade that's right. because we still think no we're just waiting for the greyhound man to take us to heaven And God's like, no, 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 no. I have authorized, deputized and empowered you that anything that doesn't look like kingdom in your life, you have the power to overwhelm it by the Holy Spirit who's alive and living in you. And that's what I've called and asked you to do. That's what I created you for. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I've used all my time, but we had fun.